today is the day the NCAA men's basketball tournament tips off the real stuff. The first four in the books. And now today we we start the real fun stuff. Uh, and now today um, joining the Igloo, um, one of my favorite follows in all of Biggie's Twitter. He's a contributor on Road to the Garden. Uh, really great content with a lot of really good contributors. And he obviously is one of the top if not the top, and uh, it's uh, Michael DeRosa. Uh, dude, I know I've followed you on Twitter for a while. I know we've interacted in replies and all that every now and then, but it's actually really good to finally get you inside the igloo. It's good to be here, man. I'm very excited, and thank you for the compliments. Oh, man, I like you're massaging my ego early. You're make, I love it. I love it. <laughs> so, obviously, so five biggies teams in the NCAA tournament. I think that's the number everyone was circling. I mean, it was a clear five. So looking at the road to, well, the road to Houston, I know we just completed the road to the Garden not too long ago. Now it's the road to Houston. And really, I'd say three, three, maybe four of those teams have a legitimate road because of the, it's so wide open this year, which I love about the state of the sport now. And the team with the clear best path and how they've been playing, having not lost since February 7th, the Big East tournament champion and regular season champion Marquette Golden Eagles. Uh, Michael, I know you saw them uh, when they clinched the regular season title outright at Hinkle. And what's been impressing you most about Marquette, and especially with how they just emphatically won the Big East title on Saturday? Yeah, Marquette is special. Um, I They play so well as a team together. Like, individually, you look at this roster, nothing stands out. But just as a team, like, you have a leader like Tyler Kolek. He's special. And they've got guys who know their role and will play to their role and do anything they can to win a game. Like Stevie Mitchell. No one talks about Stevie Mitchell, but he's a legitimate piece for them defensively. He changes a lot of what they can do defensively. Cam Jones, stud score. David Joplin off the bench. Osui Godaro knows his role. He knows how to play that point center role. And it really like takes teams out of what they want to do. I mean, they have an Omax Prosper, of course, and legit like NBA caliber second round pick caliber wing so they've got so many pieces that just work so well together they look they work so well as a team it really like nothing individually stands out but just how they perform as a team is special they're special special group and it could culminate with a trip back to Madison Square Garden they're in the east region and first round matchup with Vermont the Catamounts are a team that you shouldn't sleep on. I mean, in past years, I know Anthony Lamb was just uh, nasty, but for some reason, Vermont just couldn't and hasn't gotten over the hump. And now they get a 15 seed. I think it's a tough matchup for Marquette because Vermont's going to be hungry. And, you know, they've made a bunch of tournament appearances, but just haven't been able to win a game in an upset. And then in the second round, that 10-7 game right above them, USC-Michigan State is really intriguing. They're going to get a good matchup, whoever they get. Uh, but that first weekend, I mean, what do you see the odds of them, you know, moving on to the Sweet 16, a place they haven't been in exactly 10 years? I'm fairly confident they take this Vermont team pretty handily. Um, this Vermont has been, like, as you mentioned, they've been an awesome program. They've been really good out of the America East. But this year they weren't as dominant. UMass Lowell had a legitimate shot to take them down Oh, in the, both the regular season title and the conference tournament title. They weren't able to. And their best player, Vermont at least, is Dylan Penn. He's a Bellarmine transfer. So it's very nice to see him get the opportunity to finally play in the tournament after he should have last year. But like I look at this uh, Vermont team, or granted this is very early season non-conference, but they got destroyed by St. Mary's, they got destroyed by Iona, and they got destroyed by Yale. 
those are three of the four tournament teams they played. So, oh, and actually they played close to USC. I missed over that one, just scrolling through. But I, I really don't think this Vermont team presents Marquette a ton of problems. And then I look at that 7-10 game. Michigan State has been a team that kind of underperformed over the over the season. And USC, I don't really trust much. They're, USC pulled a run last year, but I, I don't know. I just don't where they had a chance to. And I just don't trust them. I don't know. I just still can't find the reason to trust them. They have a good roster. Drew Peterson's a stud. And you look at Michigan State, Jaden Akins has taken a real role. They're, Michigan State's really another one of these teams that's really good as a team, but the individual parts aren't special. Um, Michigan State like doesn't have a dominant score. I think Marquette has a couple guys that really change games. And I think Michigan State's still kind of searching for their identity almost. I am pretty confident Marquette gets to the Sweet 16. And just for the narrative purposes, so you probably saw on Twitter that I had a, I've had a former Creighton player by the name of Jahens Maniga, who on this show is listed pretty well getting to the bottom of a conspiracy theory that the NCAA loves setting up certain matchups. And one of them, if Michigan State plays Marquette, the Joey Hauser Bowl. Yep. I mean, it was so weird seeing him and Sam Hauser leave Marquette after a really good 2019. They were going to be like top five in the country going into 2020. and then. Sam goes to UVA and Joey goes to Michigan state. We're seeing the brothers break up. And now you possibly get Joey facing his former team in the second round. Jahens may have a point. Now the sweet 16, potentially you go back to the garden. I think K state's intriguing because really good non-conference, but the only blemish coming at the hands of your Butler Bulldogs, um, at Hinkle in the, in the battle, they're really good. Keontae Johnson and, um, oh my God, who's their, uh, their point guards. Marquise name? Noel. Noel. Thank you. And then, but right above them is Kentucky and they're, they're picking it up. They still have the reigning national player of the year in Oscar Sheeway. Uh Providence more on them in a second. They might have something to say, but that sweet 16 matchup. I feel like if you get either Kentucky or K state, it's going to be a good matchup, but, most, I mean, who are you most likely seeing as that potential Sweet 16 adversary? We'll talk on Providence in a bit. My pick would be Kentucky as of now. Um, I could see Kansas State doing it. Just Kansas State, like, they were really good. Like, Chris mentioned this on a show we did yesterday. Shout out to Chris Tadinga. That they were very good, like, the first time they went around and saw everybody. Everybody except Butler, pretty much. But at the same time, I was there in person. Not, like, not only did they lose to a Butler team, granted, in Hinkle first road game, so it's a bad spot. But they got destroyed by a Butler team that isn't a top 100, 120 team in the country. They got destroyed. That game was never really competitive. Butler won that from wire to wire. But this Kansas State team is special. Um, talk about a story. Marquise Noel has been one of my favorite players in college basketball for years. He's like 5'9", five, 5'7", five, something like that. I'm short as well. So, you know, like, you got to start there. And then he pulled this shot. I'm never going to forget it from, like, almost half court to win a game. It when, when he was in the Sun Belt with um, Arkansas Little Rock from half court against UL Monroe. Never going to forget that. It was awesome. I love, I mean, he's special. And then Keontae Johnson is the story of maybe this season. Passes out on the court when he was with Florida. Then during the whole COVID thing, so people were scared what's going to happen there. And then he misses next season, but he's he makes a recovery. Then he decides, I'm transferring. I'm taking, instead of taking whatever insurance plan I could get from the NCAA, I'm taking a chance on myself to play the sport I love. And he is playing at an All-American level. It's so hard not to root for those guys. That, that, that story is awesome. It's a ragtag group of guys that have really put something together. But I think it's Kentucky. And I, I do really like Marquette's road to at least the Elite Eight. 
um, and potentially a Final Four. I, I think they have the matchups and they have the talent and they have the team to really do it and really make a statement in March. And to think, if if it's chalk almost, I mean, we might you're going to get some upsets here and there in that region and just across the board. But if we get an all chalk final, them against Purdue rematch of the Gavit games when Marquette still really hadn't found themselves and they nearly went into Mackey and beat this Purdue team. Uh, what do you think they're going to be the biggest differences in that matchup? If they do face off one more time. I think if they face off, it's uh, Zach Eadie's going to be a matchup problem. Bigs against Marquette have been like, like legit bigs have been able to like, you can kill Marquette on the glass, but at the same time, Purdue's guards do not do well against ball pressure, not in the slightest. And if I have Marquette's Marquette really embrace like in that Big East tournament, championship game at least for sure they really pressured the ball really well and they can they will pressure shaka smart comes from the havoc style at vcu and when they are pressuring the ball i think you could break these freshman guards that you pass i i think ball pressure would be the huge key and i think marquette is the style to just really take purdue out of what they do well so let's talk about the team that marquette just uh beat in in the Big East final xavier Xavier fans would have been happy. And I heard on uh, in the Big East space that uh, the great John Phantom was hosting, uh, hearing Captain X talk about like how Xavier fans, they were like, if we get a four seed, we're doing pretty well. But a three seed, that came as a big surprise. I remember watching the selection show. I'm like, wow, a three seed. Interesting. And they get a really favorable draw, getting a first time tournament participant, the Owls of Kennesaw State. That's going to, that's interesting. Uh, you get a first-time tournament team, play them down in Greensboro, and I really like the draw they get in just their little pot in Greensboro because right above them, Iowa State will face either one of the first four games between Mississippi State and Pitt. Neither team has made it in quite a – especially Pitt. Xavier, you, I, I feel like you got to like the draw against Kennesaw State and especially against either Iowa State or that first four winner. This is, I'm going to take a second here. If you are like a Big East team, like let's say your team's out in the tournament and you're a little worried about your coach, like two years down the line, you might have to move on from your coach. Amir Abdurrahim at Kennesaw State is a name that you are going to have to start watching. He has done an excellent job with this program. They won like one game, like two, three seasons back. He has taken the job and he has made this team something. And I watched the championship game when they played Liberty. I picked Liberty and like the Jerome, all that sort of stuff. I was really impressed. They... Their guards, like Chris Youngblood, Terrell Burden, are good players. They're very solid players. And what Abdurrahim does really well is he switches defenses. He's very good defensive mind, and he will throw out multiple different defenses to find what works. And I think Xavier's going to – I think their, Kennesaw State can keep this game close. I think they could even scare Xavier fans a bit. I don't think Kennesaw beats them. Like, I'm fairly confident Xavier doesn't come out on top. But I think this game's going to be a little closer than people think. Kennesaw State has some dudes. And they're very, very well coached. And then, so another one of these, you know, we're going to push a, push a certain narrative. If Sean Miller faces his alma mater of Pitt, yep. that could happen again. But I, I think that for even if it's Mississippi State, I think you, both of those teams could have their hands full against Iowa State. But I feel like the lack of Caleb Grill on the Cyclones, yep. that's going to be to Xavier's advantage. Caleb Grill, I mean, Iowa State is a team that really, they're elite defensively, elite, elite, elite defensively. You can't say enough about the job T.J. Altsberger has done there, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. The problem was they had two shooters. They lost one of them. It's Gabe Kalisher, and he is pretty much their only 
who's their only jump shooter. Like Taman Lipsy, their point guard, can't really shoot. So you need there is something there. There is something like they're going to have some problems scoring, and maybe they get out of the first round. They can definitely give Xavier problems defensively. I think it'll be a lower scoring game because of efficiency. But again, I really like. I think Xavier is a very good draw. Xavier was the biggest team I was most worried about, just like having an early exit. But I think they got a very good draw. I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better draw of your Xavier, not just with the three C, but looking at Iowa State or even a Mississippi State or Pitt team. Mississippi State has, hasn't been in the tournament since 19. Pitt, not since 16. And which credit Jeff Capel and his group uh, for bringing Pitt essentially back from the dead. Yep, yep. Uh, but let's talk about a, a Big East team that has had a resurrection um, especially over the last few years. And that's a credit to the Big East brand. The Yukon Huskies, they get a favorable draw in Albany. Um, and they, I just, I don't know why. I saw this match. I'm like, I love it. Them against Iona in the capital city of, of, of my home state of New York. And in a building that, as I pointed out to Hurley Mania on Twitter, was the site of a legendary moment. Ric Flair winning the 1992 Royal <laughs> Man, you're talking Hurley Patino. That Patino's probably coming to the Big East. I don't think that that's a hot take there. So a future Big East matchup. But man, you're talking Dan Hurley. The one thing on him is he has struggled in the postseason. And you're gonna have to get your first tournament win against Rick Patino, one of the five best basketball coaches walking this earth. Ooh, that is a challenge. And he's got some dudes on that Iona team. He's got some dudes. Walter Clayton and Danis Jenkins. If those are two guys who are Big East caliber. They've got he's got some dudes on that Iona team. I think UConn's length really bothers Iona because those Iona guards they're smaller. But then UConn really like Tristan Newton's six five. He's a legit six five. Under Jackson has the wingspan of like something that has a really long wingspan. His wingspan is incredible. And I think the athletes, just pure athleticism, is going to push them over the edge. But Rick Vitino's got some dudes. Iona's gonna give him a game, that's for sure. And with Andre Jackson, I know because he's an upstate native like I am. He's from Amsterdam, which is about 40 miles or so from Albany. It's going to be a really cool homecoming for him. Uh, so I'm, I'm really happy for him because he's a good dude and a, one of the most electrifying players I've ever had the pleasure of covering. He, like Just seeing some of the dunks he had against Providence, oh, my God. I'm like, I've never seen anything like that in person. I mean, I always say with him, he doesn't jump, he levitates. He floats in the air. He just glides. It's just incredible. Like, if you ever, like, are going through, like, preseason, every single time, it's like you're looking over UConn, and it's like, I have to take 10, 15, 20 minutes to just watch Andre Jackson highlights. It's mandatory. He's just so incredible as an athlete and as a dunker. It's it's insane. They do have a really good – I feel like no matter who they get, either VCU – or St. Mary's in the second round. I mean, if you're St. Mary's, you're at a, just on home court alone, you're at a drastic disadvantage going all the way from, from uh, Morega, California, all the way to Albany. Uh, I think St. Mary's ends up winning the game. VCU, I'm not going to count them out because they're the A-10 tournament chance for a reason. But that St. Mary's-UConn matchup, potentially, I really like. I really want to see how UConn's defense is going to handle Mahaney. I think if I'm a – this is going to be kind of a weird take for me. I think if I'm a UConn fan, I want to play St. Mary's much more than I want to play VCU. I like Just that. because of the matchup angle. Not because of, like, anything, like, specific. Like, VCU plays this really, like, high-pressure defense. They get up in you, and they have the athletes to, like, worry your ball handlers. At the same time with St. Mary's, like, man, St. Mary's, they're able to, like, get in gaps in, like, defenses because, like, 
the way St. Mary's, the reason why, like, Gonzaga killed them in the last game. They struggle with length and athleticism. Those are the two things they really struggle with. That is what UConn has more than almost anything. The length and athleticism. And Mahaney, I love Aiden Mahaney. He's going to be a star, but he is a small freshman guard. Logan Johnson, his backcourt mate, is like 6'3". They are not big whatsoever, and they do not have the athletes to match up with UConn. I think UConn could really break them athletically. That's why, and VCU has the athletes to match UConn. St. Mary's just does not. And I think it could lead to VCU getting that 12-5 now I think about it. But but that West region, I mean, you know, we talk about in, in soccer um, during the World Cup, the group of death. The West region is the group of death. Yep. With KU, UCLA, Gonzaga. I know UCLA is without, um, you know, one of their star players uh, who went down right before the Pac-12 tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gonzaga's Gonzaga. Kansas, you know, who knows how long Kevin McCullough is going to be out. Uh, that Sweet 16 draw is going to be interesting. But I think if there's a sleeper team, if UCLA might be so hindered by the that injury problem that Boo Booey and Northwestern ends up taking them out, that would be something else. But just think about, if you get Kansas, arguably the most when they have McCuller, one of the most well-rounded team um, in the country, I would argue. Uh, a ch- me personally, they should have gotten the number two overall seed over Houston. I, I just, I, I think a lot of people would agree with me on that. Uh, so for UConn, that's a tough draw. But if they somehow get by there, which I think they can, it's tough going to have to deal with the potential, you know. The, the opposite where they have the drastic home court advantage in Albany, but the opposite if they got to play a Gonzaga or a UCLA out in Vegas uh, for a spot in the final four. I think UConn matches up pretty well with Kansas uh, in particular. I think just because like Kansas, they run a lot of small ball. They're in the same lineup, the same five guys for almost the entire game. They don't really have like a legit big and Adama Sunogo, it has decent footwork for a big guy. He's six, nine. He can move his feet pretty well. And UConn has the like ability to go smaller. They can, they can, they have so many different pieces that can play so many different positions that I feel like they can find a way to match up well with Kansas. At the same time, though, Bill Self on five days of prep is some, there might not be a better coach in the country at just game planning and specific stuff like that than Bill Self. So I do not like how, I like how UConn matches up in that spot. I do not like that it's Bill Self. If it, if they got, if it was like the Elite Eight matchup and they have them on short notice, I think they take them. With the extra days to prepare, I think that gives Kansas a real advantage. You know, I really like that. I really like that take, actually. Um, yeah. And the thing, so what was the other thing I was thinking about with with you? So with UConn, the games they've lost this season, all to Big East teams, and we all know they ran the table in non-conference. Is the lack of familiarity and the fact that they were 11-0 out of conference, does, do you think that plays into UConn's favor quite a bit? I think it very well could. I think just because so many of the guys in the Big East, like the game plan kind of got laid out like during Big East play, like how you finally can stop these guys. And then like the UConn went on that drought and then they kind of hit a second win. And like that game against Marquette, I don't think they even played particularly well in the Big East tournament, but it was still close the entire way through. So I feel like they are really regaining that momentum and getting, yeah, as you said, getting the familiarity is gone. Now you're playing teams for the first time. I think that really can play to their advantage. You like, you cannot feel the athleticism and the strength of these guys until you experience it. You, It's just something you have to experience to really prepare for it. Uh, so uh, I just want to, I totally forgot to go back to Xavier for one second. I mean, you like them going to the sweet 16, but you're running into a buzzsaw with, uh, with Texas. Now would be quite the story after getting rid of Chris Beard for them to win the big 12 tournament and make a really deep run in March. Um, especially if you, they go to the final four back in their home state. Uh, I think that Xavier Texas matchup, it's intriguing. Um, I like how they could match up with, you know, if Sule boom, looks how he looked against Creighton versus how he looked against Marquette after the day after that. 
but Texas, man, so well-rounded and proving that it's really the team that's making this and and even without Chris Beard, they're still proving that they're still one of the best, if not the potential best team in the country. Man, I, the Texas draw, I think is really bad for Xavier. I like, if I'm looking at guards, like Marcus Carr is one of the best guards in the country. I think he steps up to Sule Boom and I, he could be prob. I think Marcus Carr is the better player. They're very comparable, and that is a huge props to what Sule Boom has done this year. I think Marcus Carr is the better player, and I think Timmy Allen presents real problems for the Savior defense. He is he's a little bigger than Colby Jones. Colby Jones is definitely going to be the guy that has to guard him. But man, I think he presents real problems. And if you if this matchup does happen, and we definitely will talk about if it happens in the Sweet 16, we'll, this will definitely be a narrative. Serge Barry Rice has this thing, and if you've watched Villanova basketball, you know. Like, you might know this concept. It's called a pump fake. He fakes like he's going to shoot it. Guys jump every single time. Every single time. You have to be disciplined against that because if you jump, he's going to find a way to score. Guys bite. He is the best pump fake in college basketball, and guys bite every single time without fail. But for Xavier, honestly, I tend to think they lose in the Sweet 16 against. If they if it is Texas, I think they lose. And if it's A&M or Penn State, I think those two teams match up really well with Xavier, too. I think Xavier is a good draw in the sweet in the uh, little like region of Greensboro, but after that, I don't like it at all. Yeah, I mean, especially because you know it'd be interesting to see a rematch with Indiana in the Elite Eight if they somehow get there. Um, I'm not. I'm if Marcus Sasser still out, I'm not that high on Houston. But you know, obviously, they got Xavier's got to get there first and foremost. And I mean, I believe it's Sean Miller enough to think that he he could pull out pull a rabbit out of the hat. I mean, look at what he's done, taking his team to the Big East final in year one. Um, so we talk about, so now we move on to Creighton. Uh, curious case, they started 6-0, and lost six in a row. And six seed, especially after getting routed by Xavier in the semis, I like their draw. NC State, I, they've had some, they've had some good, good stretches during the year, but they got blown out by Clemson in the ACC tournament. A lot of people had them on the outside looking in or last four in. They were comfortably in. And Creighton in Denver, believe it or not, Omaha's not as far from Denver as a lot of people think. The, the Blue Jay fans are going to – they're going to show out and travel well. Uh, I like the matchup against NC State, but as we were talking about before the show, Baylor is an interesting draw. God possibly revenge 2014 when in Doug McDermott's last game, Isaiah Austin, Brady Heslip, that group just – crushed them in San Antonio revenge is on the mind granted those players weren't there but Mac was and to get that revenge is great uh Baylor's really good but as you mentioned to me before the show really inconsistent yep yeah just on the Baylor point I mean Baylor has uh, this region or this even the subregion is so so good with guards like guard play is going to be the key for Creighton if they if their guards can remain competitive with some of these guys they're the better team in the front court. Like I'm looking at Traquavion Smith. He could have been a first round pick last year. He decided to come back. Like he was a borderline like first round pick and he just decided to come back. Jarkel Joyner, those two guards, I watched them play Butler in the battle for Atlantis. They destroyed the dogs. They were just, they're so quick. So, so quick. So their speed is really something. But in the front court, they're nothing special. Casey Morsell is a player I watched in high school. A good shooter, decent defender. But again, he's the three and he's an undersized three. He's much more of a two guard. And they look like Jack Clark versus Arthur Kaluma. I think Jack Clark's been a revelation for this team, but 
I'm not taking Jack Clark over other Kluman. That's for sure. And DJ Burns can score. He is an undersized center is the problem. And against Ryan Kalkbrenner, do you really want to go inside against Ryan Kalkbrenner? Good luck. I think, yeah, you do not. Just no. I think I think uh, Creighton beats NC State, but it could be a very fun game. Those guards are so fun to watch. The Baylor game, I mean, it, it'd be funny. Baylor Shireman against Baylor. Uh, that would be something in and of itself. I really like Creighton in that game because of, you know, you don't know what Baylor team you're going to get. I mean, don't get me wrong. Adam Flagler really like him a lot as the anchor of that group. But again, and they've gone through the gauntlet of the big 12, which if it wasn't for the biggies, they, you know, the biggies would have been the best conference. It wasn't for the big 12. So they're battle tested, but so is Creighton arguably. And we, the question now becomes, are they going to channel that top 10 team that they were, you know, in, in the first few weeks, and they could potentially get a rematch of the Maui Invitational Final with Arizona in the Sweet 16 down in Louisville. Man, yeah, uh, Creighton has a chance to make a run. Like, they, they're they a six seed, but their region is, it's like, it's lined up for them to succeed. Like, and I'm look, looking at this Baylor team. Baylor's offense is number two in Ken Palm. It is electric. It's incredible. You have guards like Keontae George, Adam Flagler, and LJ Cryer. You take those three guards, put them up against anyone in the country. I'm taking those three. They're awesome. The problem is their offense sometimes gets too ISO heavy. It's too my turn to ISO. Okay, now it's your turn, right? It's it's one or the other. And if one of those guys isn't playing great, or one of those guys just taking a couple bad shots, I could see Creighton beating them. And then Arizona's looked vulnerable. Like UCLA played without Adam Bonham, who's their center, who was likely to return for the tournament, and Jalen Clark. And their two bigs gotten their two remaining bigs without Bona got in legit foul trouble, and they're nothing special. And Arizona still could not put them away. It took a buzzer beater to put them away. Arizona has a team that really like looked good early season. They've kind of just remained steady. They're just steady. They're okay. And they lost some bad games. Like at Stanford, they got they didn't just get beat. They got beat bad. So they're vulnerable. Arizona's vulnerable. So it, Creighton couldn't have a run here. They could have a run. And never forget when uh you know Arizona lost on that half court buzzer beater against yep. their big rivals Arizona State uh, at the McHale Center. The, I mean, if the Creighton makes the Elite Eight, which I think there's a very good chance that they will, they could run into a buzzsaw with uh, with Alabama, the number one overall seed, which we all know what's been going on with them. And to be quite frank, with all the hoopla and all that surrounding it, their star player, Brandon Miller, I mean, let's be real. I mean, with everything ongoing, he shouldn't be playing in this thing, yet he is. Uh, but Alabama – obviously with him and he, I don't see any reason why they're going to not play him, but with him and everyone else there, I think they're going to prove why they're the number one overall seed and get to Houston. They're a very good team. I think NATO was, I, I shouldn't say he's building a great program because of that stuff, but like before we knew any of that, I would have been very confident in saying he's building a great program. Now there's so many questions just about like attitude and stuff, but Brandon Miller is maybe the most talented player in college basketball. He's going to be a top 10 pick. 40% from three, and he's an electric athlete. Incredible score. It leads the team in rebounding, too. And they've got some decent veteran guards, like Javon Quinterly, Villanova transfer. You might remember him in Villanova. Uh, something special. Mark Sears is a very good transfer from Ohio. They've just got dudes surrounding him that are just legit. They know their role, and they know how to play it. They space the floor really well. And they also have the guys who really can just get in the lane and cause problems. So Alabama's incredible. They're the number one overall seed for a reason. They... I could see Creighton giving him some problems. I could see it. I just don't know how they stop Brendan Miller. I don't really see that happening, but if they can get there, that's an achievement. And 
just takes one game with how the how some of these guys can shoot. Just takes one game, one game. And, and with Creighton, I mean, you know, if, we've seen how they could shoot the rock. If they could find that and let it fly at a really good clip, that yeah, they could take down the number one overall seed uh, down in Louisville. But you know, they could look like how they did in some Big East games where they they can't hit water if they fell out of a boat. So, again, I really like Creighton in the Sweet 16 at the very least because I, I like the matchup of Baylor. But then again, I can see him getting knocked out in the second round uh, by Scott Drew and the Bears. You know, he won a national championship, granted, with players like Davion Mitchell, Jared Butler, so and so on and so forth for a reason. And he's a really damn good coach. I'm really intrigued to see how that matchup is going to go. Mac against Drew and that, that trio of guards, really really good and but obviously out of those five teams the one that's trending downward i'm shocked they dropped themselves basically into a last four buy situation the providence friars which and again the ncaa i know they did this shit on purpose them against kentucky bryce hopkins against his former team bryce hopkins arguably the been the best transfer in the big east this season now he goes up against his former team and with providence trending downward like they had been four lost four out of their last five they were getting embarrassed against uconn in the big east tournament before you know they got it down to like a five-point game with three minutes left after going down by 26 um i liked how they looked at the end of the game but losing four out of their last five going in yeah this is a recipe for disaster I hate this matchup so much for Providence. I hate it so much. Um, man, I, how are they going to stop Oscar Sheboy? Ed Crosswell's been really good this year. He's been really good. Oscar Sheboy's a different breed. He is a different breed. He is special. These uh, Kentucky's playing some of their best basketball this season. Like, they beat Tennessee fairly comfortably. They killed Auburn. Just killed them. And they looked really good at Arkansas in a game that I thought was kind of designed for them to lose. Their freshman guards, like, Cason Wallace is playing the best basketball he's played. All season, Jacob Toppin looks all right. The NBA buzz on him was way too much early season. There were too too much. There was too high expectations on him. But Kaysen Wallace playing as good as he's played all season. And Tony Reeves came up putting up like thirty five, a quiet thirty five somehow uh, against Arkansas, man. And if I'm Cal, I know Bryce Hopkins is a completely different player than he was last year. That being said, I saw him in practice every single day. I know his tendencies, and I've got some guys that guarded him every single day. That is a night, night, nightmare. Everything about this just screams, I think Providence gets killed. The easy way to beat Kentucky is you put him in ball screens. Oscar Sheway is not good defensively in ball screens. They have not figured that out yet. I don't know if I like Jared Bynum in ball screens in this game. I really don't. I, I, I think they get killed here. And this, I've been saying this to piss off some of the Providence fans I work with, that this is definitely Ed Cooley's last game. There's a chance it could be. I don't I don't know if I want to say like it is or it isn't. I think it's very 50-50 at this moment, but there's a chance that I think this goes bad. I think this goes really bad. I think they get killed. But what does this mean for Ed Cooley and the <laughs> Providence College Friars? <laughs> Hotballs, you owe me for that, uh, for, for making that joke, which is probably the running gag of the, of the year in the big oh, yeah. year. Last year it was chicken parm. This is – this isn't something different because literally all you have to say, but what does this mean? And everyone knows what to do after that, which, uh, yeah, and I'm with you on that. Providence, they couldn't have had a worse draw. But the thing is, they could have avoided this easily if they take care of business against, I mean, Xavier, okay. You lose, okay, fine. But you do, you shouldn't allow yourself to lose by 24 on senior day. And as a senior hall alum to, to those guys. 
And, and like Seton Hall, the way they won games was like they out-toughed you. They out-willed you, right? When they beat Butler twice, they broke the Butler team. They just broke them like mentally, physically, emotionally, whatever you want to say. That's not something that happens to Ed Cooley teams. It really doesn't happen. And it did. That game was over from the start. That Xavier game was over like right from the start. They are playing some of their worst basketball of the season. It's kind of tanking down. And Providence is a team that I re- truly believe they made the tournament because of their home court. They are not good away from home. They were not good in the non-conference. They lost to a slew team that is underwhelmed this year. And I believe in that first round of that conference, that little uh, early season tournament, they lost to Miami. It was either Miami or Maryland. It was one it was of the Miami. two. I think it was Miami. Yeah, it was Miami. Like, they have not been good away from home this year. They haven't, like, done really anything away from home. And they're not playing in the dunk against Kentucky, a team that I think matches up really well with Providence. That's I want to see Providence win. I really do. But I hate this matchup from every single angle. I hate it so much. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, I'm not going to imply anything, but, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of talk swirling around, you know, Ed Cooley, you know, is he going to stay or is he going to go? I mean, it has some merit to it, but, uh, you know, it's a if that is the case and he goes, that's a tough way to go out losing five of your last six, including, you know, two losses to UConn. I mean, they made it close in the garden, but the game at Gamble, they got run out of the building, too, and, uh, I mean – Dare I say, I mean, listen, I know, like, listen, I know Matt St. Jean, you know, I, I, I like his, I respect the hell out of his work, but I see people on Providence Twitter blaming Matt for the two games they lost at home to end the season. But, but listen, I don't blame the security and all that at the amp for taking action with, you know, the bottles, the tall boys being thrown and, you know, Matt's laptop should not have to be under, under that fire. And, uh, it, I hate that it's called a curse now because of the fact that, you know, they lost their last two home games with no tall boys being served. The curse of the tall boy, it should be more the curse of the tall boy than it is, is the curse of Matt St. G because honest, he, he may have put it out there, but like he, he couldn't have been just the, the lone catalyst for, uh, for why that change took place. Like he, he had to speak up. I respect the hell out of him for that, but like, let's be real. It was Providence's own undoing. I, I got to stick up for my guy. I work with Matt. Matt's awesome. Uh, Matt's great. And at the same, like, if I'm working at a game, right, and people are throwing shit at my laptop, people are, like, interrupting me while I'm doing my job, I'm going to get angry. And especially, hey, I, it's different setup at Providence, but at Butler, like, we are, where we sit for, like, media, whatever, right in front of us is the row. That's where a lot of, like, the players' parents sit. You don't throw shit over here. Just, just. That's the section you just – if you don't do it in general, obviously. But like, if you're going to do it, the last place you throw it at are the opposing players' parents. They're just there – and, like, opposing players' parents, fans, whatever. They're just there to watch their son and a chance to, like, finally get – if they're local to the area or whatever, or it's the big game in Hinkle. Don't mess with that. Like, come on, man. It's, it, I'm trying to work here. I, I understand, like, I guess there's some sort of it, like, come on, like, man, don't complain about this stuff. But, like, I'm trying to work. I'm trying to do my job. I don't – and in general, if I'm just working in like a Starbucks, right? I don't want people throwing shit at my laptop. I just don't. I don't want that. And I don't know. I think also part of it is just that maybe Providence wasn't all as good as like we all thought they were. Maybe they were kind of overrated in that season. Like maybe. I didn't have high expectations. Because we, we all saw who they really were outside of – and I, I, I you know, I'm with you. I still like to call it the dunk because that's just – yeah. That's just, you know, who, as a Big East fan, you know it as the dunk. I have a very, even though I've gotten accustomed to it, I still feel weird calling it the amp all throughout this whole season. But man, and 
in a way, I understand the logic behind, oh, the Providence fans are going to have a lot more juice with with the tall boys because, you know, that that's going to bring out a certain energy, which is weird because it alcohol is supposed to be more like a depressant rather than a, an accelerant with, you know, your hormones, you know, it's supposed to like mellow you out. Trust me, I've seen drunk people in there, you know, they're pretty like, hey, what are you doing, man? But like, for some reason, it gets me, it gets people riled up and, you know, doing stuff like, throwing stuff onto the court when clearly it's unnecessary. So again, I'll, I'll stick up for Matt every day of the week because I love his, I love his work. And I love, I mean, you guys do a hell of a job at road to the garden. So I wanted to make that little PSA. I'm like, I'm defending Matt St. Jean and Providence fans shouldn't be giving him as much shit as they have been. And especially because he's a PC alum. He's like, listen, I, I, at least I deserve better, but the, you know, the fan, you know, the school, the, players the and even all the fans even though they're the ones you know he's essentially pushing back against they deserve better too so that's my little psa you know sincerely signed a former uh, student section president so (laughs) nice little psa to end the show so uh but again Friday, all five Big East teams competing in first round action in the ncaa tournament again make sure to catch it all cbs uh tbs tnt true tv um if you're watching a marquette in columbus uh, i'm I'm saying a prayer for you i'm sorry you got to deal with it uh not just andrew Catalan's good i'm sorry you got to deal with steve lapis for the first for the first couple of games i like lapis i like lapis i do i think you i think i was learned something on a lapis broadcast i think he's very insightful i like lapis i think lapis get i like lapis i do I, i'll stick up for it i like him i mean his analysis might be fine but like he just screams at you for two hours yeah so that's why I'm like I'm saying a prayer for all my Marquette fans or any Big East fan watching the at least that first weekend um, in where they're in Columbus. So again, Friday, March 17th, St. Patty's Day, uh, celebrate it right. Wear some green, but root for the Big East. Um, it, I, I I hate seeing the petty energy. Like, oh, if I'm UConn, I have to hate Providence no matter what. Like, hey, we're all in it together now. Um, may the horny Big East reign and do their thing. Uh, so again. Um, Michael DeRosa, again, make sure to check out um, his workout on for Road to the Garden. You know, a lot of great contributors. Make sure to watch their show again. Uh, definitely got to give that that plug 100% deserved, uh, Michael. And, of course, give him a Twitter. On, uh, give him a follow on Twitter as well. Uh, Michael DeRosa, thanks so much for coming out of the Igloo. Loved, uh, obviously, talking hoops and then a lot of other stuff on top of that because, you know, there's obviously so much to it other than hoops. Uh, really appreciate the time and, uh, you know, best of luck, you know, Keep good, keep doing what you're doing, and uh, you know, home and home wise, I'd love to pop on Road to the Garden at any point. Jay, just say the word, and I'm there. <laughs> Thank you very much, man. I'll have to run that up the line. I'll, I'm the college student. They got me low on the. They got me low down there, but man. Thank you so much uh, for sure. This was awesome. I love talking hoops. Any anytime, any place, I will always be here. Anytime. Thank you so much for having me. I was a ton of fun. I had a blast. I love it. Got my actual picks for the first round uh, regarding, you know, these Big East teams. And I think I might share my whole bracket while I'm at it. You know, I might mess around to do that. So that's coming up right after this. Welcome back. Now, before I move on to my entire March Madness picks for the men's side, let's knock out some women's first four picks. And it's a doubleheader. Uh, last night I was on ESPNU. It sucks. I couldn't find it anywhere on my cable, but you know, yeah, it's whatever. 
But tonight's on ESPN2, so that's something. So 7 o'clock in Columbus, St. John's, Purdue. Listen, I like the Red Storm. I really love what they've done all season. Tartamella's group, like he said in the press conference, zero bad losses. And add that with two quality wins, well, multiple quality wins, especially the one at UConn. I don't care if they were just severely shorthanded. That's a great win, no matter how you size it up. And then they also beat Creighton and Marquette at home. Purdue, 19-10. and 10. And if I'm not mistaken... Well, t- okay. Purdue, other than... Ma- okay, so Maryland lost to Iowa by five, but... Purdue played them better defensively than most other teams. Well, than both the other teams. I mean, they held them to just 69 points on the whole game. 29 in the first half. So Purdue knows how to lock teams down defensively. Purdue, by the way, two-point favorite. And St. John's offensively, they haven't hit and it, I think it's attributed partially to the system they run. They haven't scored more than 70 points since February 11th. And just overall, since then, they have not scored a lot of points. Trying to add it up in my head. That's why there's this long pause. They've scored just 325 points. In their last six games. If I'm doing the math correctly. Which, if you want to add it up. That's averaging 54 points a game. That plays much more to produce favor. Again, St. John's has had a great year. The X factor is going to be the experience carrying this team. You think about the starters. Jillian Archer, senior. Kadeja Bailey, senior. Jayla Everett, senior. Raven Peoples, senior. Mimi Reed, senior. The experience will help, but I think Purdue is just too good And I really like the balance they have of their big three of Petrie, Ellis, and Harper. And defensively, you know, they're they're a rock-solid group. I mean, if you can hold Caitlin Clark in Iowa to 69 points, that's, that's saying something, in my opinion. But I got the Boilers winning over St. John's. But again, I'll be rooting for them. I genuinely have St. John's, you know, like I genuinely genuinely want St. John's to win. I'll be pulling for them as for the whole conference. But objectively speaking, I'm picking Purdue. And then the other game, Mammoth's playing Tennessee Tech, and that is in Bloomington at uh, Assembly Hall. 
You know, I got Tennessee Tech winning. I just think they're in a better position to win. And don't get me wrong, you know, Mammoth. Trying to make sure, like, I think. Yeah, I have a local tie to it because they're starting center. Bell Cranbull is from a half an hour or so north of me in Boonville, New York. Uh, So it stinks that I got to pick against her and her team, but I'm picking Tennessee Tech. So the real fun on the women's side starts tomorrow, but the real fun on the men's side starts today. So might as well my entire bracket now that it's solidified now down to 64. The only one I got wrong in the first four was uh, Southeast Missouri State. Um, I had them beating Texas A&M and Corpus Christi, and that's not what happened. Other than that, I got the other three right, so pretty good. So, I'm just going to read off Thursday, Friday, and then from there, I'm just going to go through the rest from there. So, 12-15 CBS, West Virginia, Maryland. The Mountaineers are two and a half point favorites, which I'm kind of surprised by. I really, again, Bob Huggins in March, easy to trust. Kevin Willard, on the other hand, is speaking as a Seen Hall alum, kind of tough to trust in March. He only has one tournament win. That came in 2018. And it seems like he loves finding himself into the 9-8 game. Because it happened for him in 17, 18, and 22. One and two in those games. I'm going to take the Terps. Uh, I'm going to ride with my guy, Kevin Willard. I know he's at Maryland now, but I still got to... He's still my guy. Because 2016, forever indebted to him. Furman, Virginia, 1240 on True TV. Furman's a sexy pick, but this is their first tournament appearance since 1980. For context, that was the year my dad graduated high school. Virginia's back in the tournament after missing it a year ago. I just like what UVA brings to the table with, you know, with the experience of Kihei Clark, Armand Franklin, Reese Beekman. I, I, and I, as encouraging, they made the ACC final. I'm going to take the Who's beating the Paladins. 140 on TNT, Utah State, Missouri. Missouri's had a good year. Utah State back in the tournament. And a lot of people thought they would be first, last four in, but, uh, They made it safely in, which was surprising. Very hard to not pick against a guy named Taylor Funk. I mean, it's the funky stuff. Missouri made it to the SEC semis. I mean, so it's an encouraging sign. Utah State's a one-point favorite. I'm going to take, I got the Aggies winning. Now, Furman, Virginia, by the way, it's a five and a half point spread, which is kind of low for a 13-4 game. 
Um, two o'clock TBS 16 one. I mean, I don't need to go into much detail. Kansas. Um, by the way, no bill self again today, still in the hospital. I, I got the Jayhawks beating Howard, uh, spreads 21 and a half. And then, uh, 245 CBS, easy money, Alabama, 24 point favorites over Texas A&M Corpus Christi. 310 true TV, Charleston, San Diego state Aztecs, five and a half point favorites. Obviously, San Diego State's had a really good year. Mountain West champs. They're really well balanced, but the college, but Charleston, man, they're 31 and 3 for a reason, in my opinion. They have five guys averaging double figures. And the Aztecs, they have only one guy averaging double figures. Their offense is a little suspect. That's why in an upset, I'm taking the Cougars. 410 on TNT. Arizona, 14 and a half point favorite over Princeton. I'm going to take the Wildcats. Uh, you know, Pac 12 tournament champions. They are really riding a lot of momentum. I'm, I got the Cats. And then 430 on TBS. Arkansas taking on Illinois. Razorbacks are two point favorites. I just like more of the positive momentum that Arkansas has taken in. Don't get me wrong. I like what Illinois brings to the table with Terrence Shannon. Matthew Meyer, uh, two really good transfers uh, from Texas Tech and Baylor, respectively. I mean, Coleman Hawkins, I like him a lot in down low, but uh, I just think Arkansas is more well-rounded. You know, Ricky Council and Nick Smith, they got five guys averaging double figures. They really know how to light it up. I'm going to take the Razorbacks. The night, the night session on Thursday, 6.50 TNT in Birmingham. Auburn and Iowa, listen, it's in Birmingham, which is a recipe for disaster for the Hawkeyes. Tigers are one and a half point favorites. I know Auburn didn't finish the season strong. I mean, they did beat Tennessee. And they have good quality. I mean, they decimated Missouri. I mean, they had some hideous losses like the Vanderbilt. Um, Georgia, but you know, they still have good quality wins other than that too. I mean, and they obviously did a really good job out of conference. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I think they were ranked as high as uh, they were number 11 before Memphis knocked them off. But, uh, yeah, I don't want to go into too much detail. I know I saw Iowa in the Gavin games against Seton Hall. They were really good in that game, but I, I mean, listen, it's at Birmingham. I got Auburn winning. So, 7-10 on CBS. Oral Roberts and Duke. Duke's a six-point favorite. And Duke's a popular pick. Winning the ACC tournament. Getting all their guys healthy. I'm going against the grain here. Oral Roberts. I, I told myself... I don't care who they get. Whatever five seed they draw, I think they can beat them. And as hot as Duke is, I really like what Oral Roberts has done this year. 30-4. and four. They challenged St. Mary's on the road. I mean, Houston whacked him, but it's Houston. But, I mean, losing at Utah State's never a bad thing. And they were the only undefeated team in conference play to get to the NCAA tournament. And their other 
trying to see what other games they they play that were of note. Uh, I mean, they haven't beaten, you know, the, the real great teams on their schedule, but I'm telling you, Max Acemas. We all saw what he did two years ago. Last year, they missed the tournament. I think this, this group is hell-bent on getting revenge. And they got a really good big three with Acemas, Vanover, and McBride. And again, they score a lot of points, averaging 84 a game. I'm taking Oral Roberts in an upset. You know, you oh, it's a 12-5 upside. I know I picked one earlier, but Charleston might as well stick with it. Texas, Colgate, 725 on TBS. Texas, 13.5 point favorites. I'm pulling for Colgate. I mean, I want to root for them because I personally know assistant coach Pat Moore. He's from my area. His youngest brother, Luke, I I grew up playing some basketball with him, and uh, he graduated the same year that my younger brother did. I mean, Colgate 17, they went 17-1 and in the Patriot League. Matt Langle is going to get a pretty big job once this season's over, which I think it will be at the end of tonight. Give me Texas winning over Colgate. Now, 7.35 on True TV, Boise State Northwestern. Boise State's an intriguing pick. The Wildcats are one and a half point favorites, but the matchup predictor has Boise State winning the game. But a lot of times when it comes to games in March, the best player on the court will dictate if you win or lose. And Northwestern's got the best player on the court in Boo Booey. Only their second tournament appearance ever, their first since 2017, Six years have gone by, and we all remember the crying Northwestern kid meme. He's grown up now, so I'm old. Hi, where's my walking cane? Give me the Wildcats beating the Broncos. And then the final games of the night, uh, 9-20 on TNT, Northern Kentucky and Houston. I mean, 16-1. I mean, come on. Houston winning. Louisiana, Tennessee. uh, Houston, by the way, 18-point favorites. Tennessee's taking on Louisiana, the... The Vols are 11-point favorites. The Raging Cajuns is such a fun name. They got a really great scorer in in Jordan Brown. Just a dominant big. Oh, and Greg Williams, former St. John, John's Red Storm player. He's on this group, and he's a hometown kid. So it'll be nice seeing him again. Uh, the Vols, I know they... Got beat in the SEC quarters. But I like the experience they bring to the table with, you know, specifically Santiago Vescovi, Zakai Ziegler. And I got, obviously, I'm you got to trust Rick Barnes in March, right? No 13-4 upset. Give me the Vols. 9.55 on TBS. Penn State, Texas A&M. The Aggies are three-point favorites. Texas A&M had a really good conference slate they went 15 and 3 in the sec went all the way to the tournament final where they got crushed by alabama i mean they went a hideous eight and five out of conference i mean just looking at some of the games they lost murray state colorado beat them by almost 30 boise state took them down Memphis beat them. 
and then Wofford picked him off at home. And while Texas A&M has been playing great as of late, Penn State, you could make the same argument. As the 10th seed in the Big Ten tournament, they raced all the way to the final. And on the way, they beat Illinois, Northwestern, and Indiana. Pretty good group of teams to beat before falling by only two to Purdue. I mean, they made it a game really late. But, uh, and Penn State, again, they've been trending even after losing to, I think overall, they've been trending really well and they've gotten red hot. Let's see, they've won. They've won eight of their last 10. And the Nittany Lions, you know, I may, I've made this argument for another game before, but Texas A&M, you can make the argument maybe they got underseeded, but listen, Penn State's going to have the best player on the court in Jalen Pickett. Give me the Nittany Lions advancing to the round of 32, and then pretty much a formality here, 10-05, UNC Asheville, UCLA on True TV. Drew Pember is a guy that not a lot of people know about, but he's averaging 21 a game along with nine rebounds. Me. He might do a lot, but UCLA is still going to have more than enough uh, to win this game. I know they're still without they're they'll be without Jalen Clark, which is a it's a pretty big blow. Thirteen point six boards and nearly two and a half steals a contest. But yeah, Bruins win at least on on tonight. Now Friday. 12-15 on CBS, USC, Michigan State, Sparty's, uh, Sparty's a two-point favorite. As of now, listen, I, I like USC and what they've done. I mean, they got a really good one-two punch with Ellis and Peterson, but I think Michigan State, they're just well-rounded, I and I the story of them, you know, being like a you know trying to galvanize the community after the you know the tragic events that happened on their campus a month ago I'm going to go with Michigan State as you know the heartwarming story uh yeah so give me the Sparty uh, give, give me the Spartans uh 12:40 on True TV Xavier Kennesaw State first of those five uh Big East games Give me the Musketeers beating the Owls. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to see Kennesaw State do great things um, in their first ever NCAA tournament appearance, but I'm taking Xavier. 130 on TNT. You see Santa Barbara and Baylor. Yeah, I got the Bears winning, although Baylor's defense needs to step up to the plate if they want to win this game. I mean, they, they can't just go in here coasting and just assuming that they're going to win this game easy peasy. Because UC Santa Barbara, just two years ago, they almost knocked off Creighton in the 12-5 game, which if they pull the upset here, they could draw Creighton most likely. VCU St. Mary's, 2 o'clock TBS. By the way, Baylor's a 10.5 point favorite. Xavier, 13 point favorites over Kennesaw State. St. Mary's, 4.5 point favorites over VCU. VCU, they've been really good. They're 27-7. They're 
I mean, they have Ace Baldwin. No, Adrian Baldwin, excuse me. I, I don't know why I'm thinking Ace. Brandon Johns Jr., Jalen DeLoach. Really good one. I mean, they have a really well-rounded top five group of players. And they went 15-3 and in the A-10 and then won the conference tournament title. St. Mary's, I feel like they needed a kick in the butt before the start of the tournament. And literally a kick in the butt because Gonzaga just beat the brakes off of them in Vegas in the West Coast Conference Final. But I think they're going to wake up here. I mean, this is 11 o'clock their time. It's super early still for them, but I mean, at least you're not playing at like 12 in the afternoon like USC is, which is 9.15 local time. Uh, I'm going to take the Gales beating VCU on the backs of their star, Aiden Mahaney. Which, ironically enough, he's not even their number one scorer. That's Logan Johnson. But Mahaney's going to be a fun guy to watch. Now, 245 on CBS, Vermont Marquette. Listen, like you heard Michael and I talk about, Vermont has been a a staple at the top of this of the America East winning conference title after conference title. But you're dealing with Marquette here. Give me the Golden Eagles. Now, Iowa State's a four-point favorite at 310 on True TV against Pitt, who survived, survived against Mississippi State. Cyclones, again, they're trending downward. They did beat Baylor in the Big 12 quarters and... Also, you know, they beat them in Waco to end the se- end the regular season. But other than that, I mean, obviously, Caleb Grill. Gone. And you think about, let's see. They lost four in a row before they beat Baylor back-to-back and then lost to the Big 12 semis to Kansas. I don't know. I like the way Pitt is rolling right now. I mean, they didn't crack the top 25 towards the end of the regular season for nothing. I'm going to ride with Greg Ellie, even though he is responsible for Seton Hall's season going off the rails last year when he elbowed, inadvertently, mind you, when he elbowed Bryce Aiken in the in the face, and which concussed him and set him out for the rest of the year. And he was clearly the guy that kept the motor going for the Pirates in that year, but I digress. Give me Pitt getting the upset over the Cyclones because no Caleb Grill is going to make a difference. Enough of a difference where it could pit, put Pitt over the top. NC State Creighton, 4 o'clock on TNT. Jays are only five-point favorites. Don't get me... Listen, I respect a really good one-two punch in the backcourt of Terquavion Smith and Jarkel Joyner. DJ Burns is great, too. As is Casey Morsell, which I'm pretty sure he's related to former Marquette Golden Eagle, Daryl Morsell. Also, Greg Gant, former Providence Friars on the Wolfpack. But I'm taking Creighton here. I uh, And NC State, I mean, you could argue they maybe shouldn't have been in the field. I mean, they got 
waxed by Clemson in the ACC quarters. Yeah, Clemson was in the NIT. They probably should have been given they lost to Moorhead State. But anyways, 430 on TBS. Another Big East team in action. UConn taking on Iona. Uncle Ricky, man, uh, coaching Iona back in the tournament for the second time in three years at the helm. Huskies are nine-point favorites. I will give my due respect to Rick Pitino. But UConn's winning this game. After the first round heartbreak the last couple years where, you know, Maryland beat them in a game where they couldn't hit water if they fell off a boat and then getting lit up by Timmy Allen. Was it Timmy Allen? I know it wasn't Allen. All I know is at the end of the game, he had 37 points. Teddy Allen. That's who it was. Timmy Allen is on Texas. Okay, that's why I got mixed up. Okay. But yeah, now this is just isn't happening. I Iona, they were the best in the Metro Atlantic for a reason, but at the same time, UConn's UConn, and I think now that they're faced, they're not going to face any more Big East teams unless they go deep into the tournament. That's going to be to their advantage. I'm taking the Huskies beating Iona. To the night session, 650 TNT, Purdue and Fairleigh Dickinson. Boilermakers are 23-point favorites. Listen, in the tournament last year, Purdue got beat by St. Peter's, another Jersey team. But yeah, no, nah, it's just not happening this time around. Give me the Boilermakers beating FDU. 7-10 on CBS. Kentucky's only a four-point favorite against Providence, which is kind of surprising. Given that Kentucky's picked it up, but Providence, again, they've been trending downward like really badly. Again, heading into this game, they've lost four of their last five. And Kentucky, they're starting to turn it around at the right time. Well, I, at least they were playing basketball. They're better basketball at the right time. I mean, they got the sweep over Tennessee. They spanked Auburn at home. But, I mean, they ended with two losses to Vanderbilt in the span of like a week. They did win at Arkansas, so that's something. But, again, they lost twice to Vanderbilt in a week. But, uh, listen... It's March. It's different. The big thing is, Coach Calipari, I understand why Kentucky fans have been so pissed at him all year. The fans deserve better, and the team should be better, especially when you have the reigning national player of the year in Oscar Shibway. But I think given the disappointing result they got against St. Peter's in the first round a year ago, 15-2 upset, I think that's going to make this team hungrier, especially Shibway. I mean, you still got some really solid players like Antonio Reeves, Jacob Toppin, Cason Wallace, and a uh, Severe Wheeler who, you know, pretty solid. And then Chase Frederick, uh, CJ Frederick, excuse me, coming over from Iowa. I mean, he's hungry to have some March success too after not really having some at Iowa. Give me the Wildcats beating the Friars in, in the Bryce Hopkins Bowl. I mean, don't be surprised if Bryce has a monster game. He's, he's either going to have a monster game or Kentucky's going to completely shut him down. And if they do that, forget it. Purdue, Providence is going to lose big if that's the case. Now, 725 on CBS. Drake in Miami. The Canes are two-point favorites. 
Uh, guy to watch for on Drake. I'm. They are led by Tucker DeVries, who is the son of their head coach and hell of a score, averaging 19 points a game. Uh, Darnell Brody, former Seton Hall Pirate, leading rebounder at seven rebounds a game, and they have a really good point guard in Roman Penn, averaging nearly five and a half assists a game. Four and a half rebounds as well, and about like 12-ish a game. People have been saying Drake's a good underdog bet, but Miami, I know they had a disappointing result, losing in the semis of the ACC tournament as the one seed to Duke, but I really like what they're what Miami has, which are Isaiah Wong, Jordan Miller, Narshad O'Meara, and Nigel Pack. Just a really good group, really good core four to have. I'm gonna, but I'm, so Drake's a sexy pick, but I'm taking the U. Seven thirty-five True TV. Grand Canyon Gonzaga. I hope that Grand Canyon's gear comes in in time. Because it hasn't. It was lost on their flight or whatever. That's what I'm reading from Matt Norlander, who I actually got to meet at the Big East Tournament. Really cool dude. Funny as hell. But when they had to practice, uh, they were going to wear just regular GCU t-shirts. But... uh, (laughs) Bryce Drew's brother, Scott, who is in Denver also with Baylor, he's uh, lending some Baylor shirts uh, to his brother uh, for his team to practice in because that's what big brothers do, right? Even if they were more fully prepared and all that, I'm still taking Gonzaga all the all the way in this game. I was This was a toss-up, by the way. 920 on TNT, FAU and Memphis. The Owls, man, 31-3 and on the year. I know they lost twice in Conference USA. Their only loss out of conference was Ole Miss. And their only conference losses, let's see. Again, they only lost twice in conference play. And those games were against UAB led by just a an insane scorer in Jordan Walker, a.k.a. Jelly Walker. And then Middle Tennessee picked him off. But I think Memphis right now, they're trending in the right... I mean, they're red hot at the right time. Kendrick Davis is a walking bucket. I still can't believe Seton Hall beat this team. And that's as a Seton Hall alum. But Memphis soundly defeated Houston by 10. I know, no... Listen, I know... Marcus Sasser didn't play. But it's still impressive to beat Houston like that. Give me the Tigers uh, beating FAU. Uh, Montana State, Kansas State. I got the the Wildcats winning uh, by 8.5. Again, Memphis 2.5 point favorites. Gonzaga 15.5. Uh, 9.55 on TBS. Indiana 4.5 point favorites over Kent State. They met back-to-back tournaments 0-1 and 0-2. Kent State got them in a 13-4 game back in 2001. Uh, 2002, though, Indiana exacted revenge on them in the Elite Eight back when uh, Kent State had Antonio Gates. Uh, but I, I really like Trace Jackson. J- Trace Jackson Davis making a difference 
being the difference as the Hoosiers beat the Golden Flashes. And then six-point favorites for TCU over Arizona State on True TV at 10.05. I'm going to take the Horn Frogs and uh, head coach Jamie Dixon in this game. I mean, Mike Miles, as I learned last year, just an absolutely incredible scorer. Damian Baugh and Emmanuel Miller, just really, really good team all around. And team that was in the Big 12 semis before they lost the eventual tournament champion, Texas. So those are my So those are my picks for the first round. As for the rest of the tournament, just gonna go through them quick. Sweet 16 in the South, Bama, Virginia, Creighton over Baylor in an upset in Arizona. In the Midwest, even if they have Marcus Sasser, it's a recipe for disaster for for Houston to play Auburn in Birmingham. Auburn with an upset to get to the Sweet 16. I got Indiana in the Sweet 16 as well as Xavier in Texas. In the West, all chalk. Kansas, UConn, Gonzaga, UCLA. And then the East, Purdue. My Cinderella team this year is Oral Roberts. I have them beating Tennessee to get to the Sweet 16 in the Garden. And then Kentucky upsetting Kansas State, which I don't think would really be an upset in the grand scheme of things. And then Marquette over Michigan State in the Joey Hauser Bowl. In the Sweet 16. I got Bama beating Virginia. Arizona in a rematch of last year of the incredible Maui Invitational Final. Back in November, I got Arizona winning the, winning the rematch. You know, I was really tempted to have Creighton getting payback, but I got the Wildcats. I just think they're rolling with more momentum and all that. And then in the Midwest, I got Indiana and Texas in the Elite Eight. In the West, I got UConn upsetting Kansas. It's more of, you know, UConn being better against non-conference competition. I mean, listen, they went 11-0 out of conference. Big East teams really figured them out. And as even if Bill Self had all the time in the world, you know, over the week to prepare for, for UConn, not having Kevin McCuller could hurt uh, Grady Dick. This might be one of those games where, as a freshman, he could falter. You could make the same argument for uh, Alex Caravan and Donovan Klingon. I mean, Caravan is a redshirt freshman, so maybe that helps. Donovan Klingon is a true freshman. And I think having an athlete like Andre Jackson could really help them handle the athleticism of Kansas with Jalen Wilson and uh, their point guard, which I'm blanking on his name, and it really anno- it's annoying the hell out of me that I can't remember what his name was. It'll come to me, and it is DeWant Harris. And I think UConn has the interior reinforcements to handle, you know, KJ Adams and Joe, um, not Joseph Yesfu. He'll be important off the bench, but I mean, having to deal with KJ Adams, Zuby Edgefer, Ernest Ude, Ude, I think it's pronounced actually. And then, so I got UConn playing UCLA. I, 
I've, I should have learned over the last, especially after last year, I can't trust Gonzaga, even with Drew Timmy. And even though UCLA will be without uh, Jalen Clark, Apologize for the long pause. I just had to make sure I'm getting my names right and all that. But, um, yeah, the UConn-UCLA West Regional Final, I, I think UCLA is more favorable for them being in Vegas, back in Vegas, after losing the Pac-12 title game there. And then in the East, I got Purdue beating Oral Roberts, and then, listen, I really love how Marquette's been playing. But as I thought about it, Oscar Shibwe is a matchup nightmare. For Marquette down low. Don't get me wrong. I love Marquette's bigs with Prosper and Iguodaro. But this is the best big man they're going to face all year in Oscar Shibway. If that matchup ends up happening. I, I, I think Kentucky. After the again heartbreaking end to the season last year. Losing an, as a two seed to the 15 seed. Granted they made the Elite Eight. St. Peter's did. But they really think if they just won that game. That would have been them. So I think they're going to go to the Elite Eight. Uh, Big Blue Nation's going to show out well in the Garden. I know Marquette will, especially if they keep going this deep. I mean, th- there's a lot to root for. But I'm picking Kentucky in the Elite Eight. Now, my final four. Bama, Purdue, Texas, UConn. I don't think I've picked a seed higher than four or, or higher than three, I think, to make a final four in, like, quite a few years. I can't remember who, though. Hmm. It'll come to me eventually. I think the last time I picked a four seed to go to the final four, I think I picked Arizona to get to the final four in 18, but no four seeds since then. So in the final four, I got Bama beating Purdue. Zach Eady can do all he wants, but I think Bama's deeper and Purdue's backcourt, I think is a little suspect and Bama's backcourt and the style of play that they that they have, I think that's going to really fluster the Boilermakers. And Bama's the number one overall seed for a reason. I'm going to take Bama, and then I got Texas beating UConn. I think part of it has to do with it being in Houston. I think UConn, at that point, they're probably going to run out of gas in Texas. They're just so well-rounded and so experienced. And I know Chris Beard's not the helm anymore, and he shouldn't be. But a Bama-Texas final which would have made a lot more sense if this was a football thing. Well, well, Texas football wasn't great this year, but uh, that's beside the point. I mean, it's a battle of, you know, schools that are football royalty, historically. And Alabama's the number one overall seed, like I mentioned. There'll be future SEC rivals. Nate Oates, he's won games in March. 18 and 19, he pulled off an upset beating Arizona in the first round. And then 19 as a six seed got to the second round, beat Arizona State before he lost to uh, to Texas Tech, the eventual national runner-up. And he, in 18, he lost to Kentucky. Like, that, there's no shame in that either. But Texas is, again, they're peaking at the right time. They're incredibly well-rounded. And just for karma purposes, I don't want Alabama to win the title. Good things come to good people. 
like with the te- with the interim Texas head coach. That's a tough situation you had to inherit, you know, after Chris Beard was fired for that um, domestic dispute. Again, he should have been. But Texas being well-rounded in the state of Texas, good things happen to good people with that new interim head coach. Hook them horns. Texas is my national champion. That's going to do it for this episode of the Eagle. My full women's bracket reveal will be tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in. Catch you next time here on the Igloo. Hold up. Wait a minute. Y'all thought I was finished? This is on me. This isn't just some intentional swerve. The women's NIT. I mentioned Seton Hall was going to be in it. And I... It almost slipped my mind, and this is on me. Almost slipped my mind that they got their first round game tonight against St. Joe's. Who do I have? I mean, St. Joe's, I respect them. They're 20 and 10 overall. But, I mean, they got bounced in the 8 10 quarters by St. Louis. I mean, they kind of just lost steam. I mean, they were 9-7 and seven in, in the A-10. And they were really good out of conference, but their only losses coming against... Well, let's see. Their first loss of the year was to Nova. And their other loss was to JMU, who is also in the NCAA Women's Tournament. You know, I obviously Seton Hall is going to have a really, really good duo. You know, LPL, Sydney Cooks, and they got Azana Baines, you know, playing great ball at the right time. And I think Seton Hall wants to go back to the WNIT final and actually win the whole thing this year. I know things are different. Obviously, no Andre Espinosa Hunter, which was a huge help. But at least just for this first round, I watched them get whacked by St. Joe's way back in 2018 in the first round of the WNIT, but they get payback against the Hawks in that flapping mascot bird. All right, now I'm done.